evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here tonight. <clears throat> if you are visiting with us, we want to thank you so much for being here. You have blessed us with your presence tonight. We hope that the services this morning, or the services this evening, and the things that we study tonight will be a benefit in your spiritual life, will edify you, and will help you in your Christian walk as we try to grow as Christians day by day. We are continuing our study in the book of John. As Nathan said, we are in chapter 4, and I should have mentioned this to Nathan. We are going to do John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. So we're just going to do the first 30 verses tonight. Lord willing, next Wednesday night, Brother Ian, we'll, we'll wrap this chapter up with those following verses. I've got all the, most of the scriptures here on the board for you. We're going to be reading from the King James Version tonight. There is one time where I'm going to ask you to turn to, to, uh, to the Bible and, and study with me. So you have a Bible there that you brought with you or one in the pew. We encourage you to have that handy or your phone or, or some other way that you've got that Bible with you that you can read and study God's Word together. The Gospel of John is an exciting book. As a matter of fact, any book that you read in the Bible is, is an, an exciting book. But this chapter is a very exciting chapter. Exciting things are going on. Ex exci exciting things are being taught. And exciting things are being known. And I hope it gets you charged and gets you excited and gets you ready and excited for the rest of the gospel of, uh, of John. As Ian said in his last study, the gospel of John seems to be directed more towards the, the, the Gentiles. There's lots of emphasis on, the, on, on everlasting life, on eternal life. And, and there's lots of things that, that we're going to see from this chapter as well as how they have some, some, some trouble with some spiritual and physical language there, some figurative language there. And, and we're going to study that tonight. <clears throat> John chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, the Bible says, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. So we're going to stop there for a moment. This is one of the first, not the first time that we talk about Pharisees, but this is one of the first times that we, we see the Pharisees and then some, some Jesus and his, his followers, his disciples react to the Pharisees here. We, we have seen the Pharisees, if you recall last week when Brother Aaron did John chapter 3, he, he talked about uh, um, Nicodemus, how that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a Pharisee that came to Jesus by night to talk to Jesus and, and to ask him some questions. And I find it very interesting in John chapter 3 where he goes to Jesus, where Nicodemus goes to Jesus, and it says, you, are, you have to be a teacher from God. No one can do these, these miracles unless you are from God. And Jesus responds to that by saying, Unless you're born again, you are not entered into the, into the kingdom of God. Jesus kind of gets straight to the point. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He was looking for the kingdom. And Jesus just cuts right to the point point. says, Unless a man is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So I hope that you recall those things that Brother Aaron talked with us last week. And, and we're going to go back just a little bit towards the end of that chapter and talk about what is, is going on. But remember the Pharisees knew that Jesus was baptizing or that Jesus was making more disciples than John. And it says there, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Why is that important? Why is that put in there? Have, have, you, ever, have you ever thought why that's, that's specific? thing was mentioned well th think of it this way and how human beings react that Jesus his his followers his disciples there his apostles there so to speak they were the ones that were doing the uh, baptizing and Jesus did not have baptize anyone because Jesus would have a hard time to baptize all of these people and if just a few people were baptized by Jesus and the rest weren't you'd be a little like well I was baptized by Jesus himself so you know maybe you should listen to me 
Does that sound like one of the letters from Paul where he says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm from Cephas. And there is this division of one thinking that they're better than the other. And where Paul said in, his, in that letter, I'm, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you guys except two. So Jesus kind of just eliminates that issue. He, 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 he puts aside that problem where he doesn't do the baptizing himself, his disciples do. But it says there that they were baptizing and Jesus was making or baptizing more disciples than John. If, if you recall last Wednesday night, Brother Aaron's lesson in John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, the Bible says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the, the land of, Ju, uh, of Judea. After these things, after him talking to, uh, uh, to uh, Nicodemus there. He said, after these things, his disciples came to Judea. So that's where Jesus is now. He's in, he's, he's in Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Aon near Salem because there was much water there. And they came and were, and were um, baptized. So Jesus and Jesus, his disciples there, are going around making his disciples, making those people, and following Jesus. And Jesus is, is, is baptizing all these people. And so is John. John is also baptizing people and followers. But if you recall what, what we read, how that... In John chapter 3, what Brother Aaron covered was that John is telling them, I, I have to decrease. It's Jesus that needs to increase. It's that John is like, I am just the one preparing the way. I am the one that is trying to make these paths straight for the children of Israel. And it's Jesus' time. And John the Baptist is saying, my time is coming to an end. But I wanted to put, uh, point that out, that Jesus has been going around making disciples and baptizing people. And so is John. And I wanted to point out some of these certain locations like Salem, because we're going to look at those here in a minute on my map. But there is this connection here that I want us to always remember and always keeping about becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the world. Amen. I don't have this in the New King James Version, but in verse 20 right here, which says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That means make disciples of all nations. Go around and make disciples. And what do you do? You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then you teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All the things that Jesus has commanded them. So there's that connection there. And it's from the very, very beginning here in John that John the Baptist and Jesus are making disciples. And what goes hand in hand with that? Baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So that's that connection that they're going around making those disciples. And it seems that Jesus now is making and baptizing more disciples than John. Back to John chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Because if you recall from John chapter 3 and in John chapter 2, that's where he was. He was in Galilee. And it says that he must needs go through Samaria and we're going to talk about, uh, uh, we want to talk about that some more and keep that in mind where the Bible says and he must needs go through Samaria it's needful he is needing to go through Samaria and as we look, look at that map it's not just because he's got to get from one location to the other there's a purpose there Jesus has a purpose to go into and go through Samaria but he's making his way towards Galilee John chapter 4 verses 5 5 and 6 the Bible says then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called a Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, <clears throat> and it was about the, the uh, sixth hour. 
So I'm not I'm not going to get into like a lot of the hours or 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 the time of, of of day there, but just understand that they're traveling. And how are they traveling? They're traveling by foot. And here they're weary, and they come to a well, Jacob's well. So naturally, Jesus and his disciples said, "Let's take a break." So they stop here in in Samaria at that particular piece of ground that Jacob gave gave to Joseph back in Genesis. And Jacob's well is there. If you, if you recall from our study in, in Genesis that Jacob's got that well. That's where he went and he drank and all his, his, his children there and his animals and his camels and all those things. That's where they're at now. Is that they're traveling from Judea to Galilee and they're going through Samaria. I'm really excited about this map because it looks really, really good. So I, I hope that, that, that y'all can see all these places here. It's a really good map. So... He was in Galilee. If you, if you recall from John chapter 2 where Jesus turned that water into wine, he's in Canaan there. And, and how, it, how Ian talked about that they went down to Capernaum because of that, um, uh, the uh, elevation there. That they're literally going downhill, so to speak, to, to Capernaum. But then he leaves here and he goes into Judea. So he's right here in Judea, and, and what is he doing? He's baptizing people and making the disciples. But then the Pharisees have find out. As I said, mentioning the, the Pharisees there, many times the Pharisees, or most of the Pharisees, are, are, are kind of re- are referred to kind of the enemies of Christ. They're the ones that are kind of out to get him, and you're going to see that as we go throughout the book of John. You're going to see the Pharisees popping up and kind of trying to get, to, to get at Jesus, and they're not happy with the things that Jesus is teaching in the way that Jesus is going about doing those things. So the Pharisees found out that Jesus is teaching more or baptizing more disciples than John, so now Jesus has decided to leave and go to Galilee. Here's Salem, that spot that we just talked about. John the Baptist was uh, baptizing people right there by the Jordan River where there was much water. So it's not just that Jesus needs to go through Samaria to get to Galilee, which just seems natural. You're going to go from here to here, right? But there's a purpose. There's a reason that Jesus is going there. Something very amazing happens there, and we're going to study that tonight. I will have this map again, I I promise. John chapter 4, verses 7, there... Verse 7, the Bible says, There cometh a woman of Samaria. And remember that, there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. <clears throat> For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat or to buy food. Then saith the woman of, of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the, with the uh, Samaritans. And I'm sure many of you have heard that word Samaritan, the good Samaritan, right? Here he's saying that there's a, or, or the Bible is saying that there's a woman comes to the well and Jesus plainly says, give me a drink. Because his disciples went to the city to buy food. They're taking a break. They've been journeying. Jesus is tired. He probably sent them out and said, you guys go buy some food. I'm going to hang out here by this well. Because he had a purpose. He had a reason to be there. And then that woman said, she's kind of baffled really. She said, you're asking me to get you a drink? He said, you're a Jew and I'm a, a woman of Samaria. And as the Bible says there, the Jews have no dealings with the uh, uh, Samaritans. Why do they have no dealings with the uh, Samaritans? I want to encourage you to go back and read through 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 17 has some information there as well. But basically what has happened there is that these people here have had like some intermixing, so to speak. That these Jews here 
of Samaria, and these Gentiles have kind of had some some intermixing there uh, of the blood, and they brought over or brought into some some pagan things from those places or those or, or those people, and kind of mixed them with the uh, Jewish religion there. And there's some things go, uh, go, going on there, so it's kind of a mixed blood. It's kind of a, a half breed, so to speak, and that's the way that the Jews see these people. And many times they're referred to kind of like dogs. There's like these people are a second second class citizen in the eyes of the Jews. They 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 have some knowledge as this woman is about to to show us. She she knows some things. She understands some things about what's going on and the and, and the Jews' religion and th- things like that. But the Samaritans are kind of seen be, because of what's happened throughout all those years as a second rate, a second class citizen, and she feels that too. So Jesus doesn't say anything about it at this moment, but she's like, I know how you guys feel about us. You're a Jew, and I'm a woman of Samaria. Nobody's ever asked me for a drink of water. Certainly not a Jew man, but Jesus does. And it says there that she is kind of marveled or baffled there as to why he asked him. Ask her for a drink. And then Jesus says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to, uh, to thee, give me drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 11, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? So she's not really understanding. It's just like what, what uh, we talked about in, in Ian's lesson there where he was saying that Jesus said, I'm going to destroy this temple, and in three days I'm going to raise it up. Well, he wasn't talking about the literal temple, although they were in the temple when Jesus said these things. They were thinking it was a temple, but Jesus said it was, it, it was a temple of his body. And just like last chapter, Brother Aaron uh, covered, talking about uh, Nicodemus there, saying, how can a man be born again? Can he go into his mother's womb a second time? He just didn't understand that Jesus was talking about spiritual things. It's easy for us to see on this side of the cross. We can see what Jesus is talking about. It's kind of clear. They, they didn't understand. This woman did not understand. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, which she didn't, if you knew who it was that is, is asking you for a drink, the one who can provide that gift of God, you would have asked her for living water. And she's still thinking about water. She's still thinking about water like this. And she says, you've got nothing to get that. How are you going to get this water out? That well is really deep. And then, she's, then she kind of mentions Jacob. She's kind of like, I'm not sure who this guy is, but do you think you're greater than Jacob? Jacob's the one that gave us this well. Jacob drank from this well, and his children drank from this well, and his cattle drank from this well. Are you greater than one of the, the, the patriarchs back then? Verse 13, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So she's still not understanding. She, she's listening to Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, I, the water that I give is, is everlasting life. It'll, it'll be a well springing up into you for an everlasting life. And she's listening, so she's at least a wise enough woman to be like, well, give me this water. I want this water. I want that everlasting life water. But she's still kind of like, that way I don't have to come to this well anymore and draw more water. Because they must have done that all the time. If, if you recall from our map, that, that place, that city there that they were was right in the middle of Samaria. I'm, I'm going to go back to my map. They're right here. So if you see, here's the sea, 
here's the Jordan River. So they're kind of smack dab in the middle. That well is extremely important, and we need water to live. We understand that still today, that we understand that we must have water and we must have food for this body to survive. And, and she said, well, give me that water so I don't have to come all the way out here anymore because it was a chore, I'm sure. <clears throat> so Jesus is making this uh, connection here, and he's basically saying, I'm the one that can give this living water. I am the one that can give this everlasting life. John chapter 6, verse 27, also, as we, I'm not trying to jump ahead too much, but this talks about the same concept that Jesus is, is, is speaking to them in a way that they might not understand because they're still thinking physically where Jesus is tell, talking to them spiritually. And in John chapter 6, verse 27, the Bible says, Jesus speaking here says, Labor not for the meat or the food which perishes, perish, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And then verse 47 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Jesus says, I have that everlasting life. He said, The gift of God, the, the gift from God is everlasting life, and I'm the one that's going to give it. And nobody else can give. Nobody else has that everlasting life but Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And he's saying here, I'm that water. And we know we need water to live. He said, I'm the one that will give you everlasting life water. Water for the spirit, water for the soul. And here he's saying food as well. He's saying whoever, don't labor for just the food. Now, we need food, but he's saying don't make that your whole focus. Make me your focus. Make Jesus the focus because that food is going to perish like that graduation cake. It sat on the table and it got old and stale. I still ate it. But after, if it sat there a little longer, I probably couldn't have. It's not going to be around forever. But Jesus is saying that what I give you will be around forever. That I am the everlasting life. I am that food and that water. Romans chapter 6, if you remember from our study in Romans chapter 6, we kind of just finished Romans just the other day, and now we have started John. Romans chapter 6, I'm going to make a, a connection here for us. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's all about Jesus Christ. This whole book, this whole gospel, the whole book actually, but the gospel that we're studying, it's all about Jesus. And that's what John's making his focus on is everlasting life. Jesus is the only way to have that everlasting life. And it says here that those that have been made free from sin or those that have become the servants of God, those that have been baptized into Jesus Christ and put on Jesus Christ, you have that everlasting life. You know, they talked about that well, that if you go back to that well and you drink water, well, guess what? If you got to go back to the well, and you got to go back to the well, and you got to go back to the well, you will never be satisfied. And that's how sin is as well. If you go sin, guess what? You're going to sin again, and you're going to sin again, and you're going to sin again, and you will never be satisfied. Jesus is saying here, be my servants, be my slaves, and I will satisfy you. Jesus said, I have the everlasting life because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus speaking says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is it. And that's what all things are pointing to. That living water that he's trying to get that woman to understand to is Jesus. That food that brings everlasting life is Jesus. It's all Jesus. Back to John chapter 4 in verse 16. The Bible says, Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. Because if you remember, she just said, Give, give me this water. I don't want to have to come back to this well anymore. Give me that water that will last forever. So Jesus says unto her, go and call thy husband and come hither. 
The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. So he's basically saying, yeah, you've spoken the truth. Because I, I say, bring your husband. You have no husband. That, that's right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And once he says that, she kind of gets a little bit of a glimpse of who she's talking to. Because Jesus can see into the hearts of all of us. Just like he, he did with uh, um, uh, Nathaniel back in John chapter 1, where he said, Nathaniel, before Philip even got to you, I saw you under the fig tree. And it just struck a chord with, with him. He's like, wow, that, that's amazing. And here, this woman is saying, how does he know that? How could he possibly know that? They just met a few minutes ago. How could he know I've had five husbands and all these things? Because it's God. It's Jesus Christ. He knows the hearts of men. He knows immediately everything about that woman, just like he immediately knows everything about us. And she kind of gets to start to understand. You see her wheels are, are turning in her head because she says here, the, the woman saith unto him in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Well, he's not a prophet. He's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But she's starting to come along a little bit now. She's like, what? This guy must be a prophet. How could he know these secret things about my life? Verse 20 says, Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye say, or the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so here she says, I perceive that you are a, a prophet. So what does she do? She wants to ask some questions. What if you were sitting there with Jesus Christ? You'd want to ask some questions. Or maybe it was just a prophet or John the Baptist or, 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 or someone like that. It's natural. Be like, I think you're a prophet. I'd like to ask you some questions, please. So she asked asks this question. She said, they, they say we should worship on this mountain. Some say we should worship in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus is saying, just, just listen to me. The hour is coming when you should neither worship on this mountain nor at Jerusalem. He says here in verse 22, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's basically saying there, a time is coming when worshiping on this mountain or worshiping at Jerusalem is not going to matter. There's going to come a time where the true worshippers will come and worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we say that all the time. That's what we strive to do all the time. We want to worship in spirit and in truth. And it says there, ye worship what ye, ye know not. She, she knows some things. She's kind of, she understands some stuff, but she doesn't say that, or, or, or it says here she doesn't know exactly what she worships. He says that we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. What does that mean? Well, the Jews have had a covenant with God. And it's the same God. The, the, the God of the covenant of the old covenant of the old law is the same God now today. So saying they've had a relationship, so to speak, with God. They know that God. They understand God. And they're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for Christ. And they're looking for the coming kingdom. So the Jews have had that relationship, that law, those commandments of God. And, that, and that's what he's saying. He's like, but the hour is, is coming where it's going to be open. And that's what he's here. He's talking to the Samaritans. The, 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 this woman didn't even think that this Jewish man was worthy to ask her for a drink of water. And Jesus is letting her know, you want the living water? I've got it. It's open. It's the hour is coming when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And God, or the Father, is seeking such to worship him. We should want to worship in nothing but truth 
and in spirit because that's what God wants. God wants us to worship him according to his word and his way. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 13. 1 John chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 6. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5, beginning of verse 6, the Bible says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that, that bear record in heaven, the Father, and the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men... The witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So like we talked about, Jesus Christ is it. That eternal life is in the Son of God and in no other. And Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross. His body and his blood was spilled so that we would have access and that opportunity for that eternal life. And it says there that, that, that there are three, that is the Father and the Word, which is Jesus Christ. We studied that in the very beginning of this book, that the Word was God and the Word was with God and the Word was made flesh. And that is Jesus Christ who's sitting in this well right now talking to this woman of, of Samaria and telling her all these wonderful things. It's a very exciting book. It's a very exciting thing. It's a very exciting time to put yourself in the mindset of that woman, that here's the Son of God who has eternal life, and he's speaking to her, and he's saying, I've got that living water. John chapter 4, verse 25, the Bible says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, or the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. So she's, those wheels that she has been turning in her head have come along, and now finally she's it. She's got to the point here. She said, look, the Messiah is coming, and that's called the Christ. And when he gets here, he's going to tell us all things. And then Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto you or unto thee am he. That is amazing. That is exciting. That is profound that, that, that she said when the Messiah comes, who's called the Christ, he's going to tell us everything. And Jesus is saying, that's me. I, the one that's sitting right here asking you for a drink of water. I am Jesus Christ. I am the Messiah. That's just mind-blowing for, for, that, for that lady. If, if, if you remember in the John chapter 1, verse 19, when John the Baptist first started doing his work, teaching about repentance and baptizing, they said those Levites there, from, from those Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask John the Baptist, what did they ask him? Do you remember? They said, who are you? And he confessed and denied not and confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked, what, what, what are you? Are, are you Elias? And he saith, no. He said, are you that prophet or the prophet? And he answered, no. Why are they asking these questions? Because that's what they want. They are waiting for the Messiah. They are waiting for Christ. And that's why they're asking John the Baptist, are, are, are you it? Because we want it. We want Jesus. We want the, the Christ. But here this woman is saying that Messiah, the Christ, when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus said, that's me. So here in John chapter 4, verse 27, the Bible says, and upon this came his disciples. So that, that profound statement has just happened. And at that moment, the disciples come walking up with whatever food they bought. And his disciples come across the scene of this woman of Samaria. 
and Jesus speaking at this well. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? So, so they marveled. They were kind of baffled as, as well. Why they've been gone, Jesus has been working. And here they're speaking to this woman, and that might have been a little uh, um, uh, inappropriate. And his disciples were kind of baffled. It's like, What's, what are you doing sitting there talking to this woman? A woman of, of, of Samaria, no doubt. And Jesus is telling her all these things. And the woman left her water pot, or her jug, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, verse 29, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? When they went out of the city, then they went out of the city and came unto him. So this woman has did this wonderful conversation. She got to ask questions. She gets to hear Jesus talk. And she gets to hear Jesus said, I am the Christ, the one that all of you are searching for. It's me. And what the first thing that she does is she drops whatever her water jug was, her water pot, and she goes back to the city. You know, it might have been a long walk to that well. And it was very important for that woman to get that water. They needed that water. But this is so much more important than anything else. More important that she just left whatever chore job she had to do and went back into the city. And what did she do? She evangelized. She started speaking. She started telling everybody. The men said, you've got to come see this guy. Does, it, 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 it reminds me of John chapter 1 where Philip went to Nathaniel and said, guess what? You got, we found the Messiah. Said, Nathaniel, you got to come see it. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Has anything good come out of Nazareth? Just come on. I mean, he's very excited. And this woman is, is probably feeling these same things that here's the Messiah, here's Christ. And she goes and she tells people, you've got to come see him. And they have to go out to this well. Now, they've been going to this well for years. Why? Because they've got to have water to live. They must survive. And the well helps them survive. And where is Jesus at? He's at the well. They've got to go to the well to get that water. So you see that, that connection there, that that woman said, you guys, come on. Do we do that still today? Do we go out and see people and say, I've, I know this guy who knows everything. You've got to come listen to him. You've got to come see him. It's Jesus Christ. We can evangelize just like this woman of Samaria went out and brought all these people. And I'm going to creep on Brother Ian's lesson a tiny bit here. John chapter 4, verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman was testified. He told me all that I ever did. She brought these people, and they believed in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That is very exciting, and I hope it keeps you excited and want to be tuned in for next week as Brother Ian kind of covers the rest of this chapter. This woman went out and evangelized that she's a wonderful example for us because Jesus Christ is here. And Jesus Christ is Lord, and he has that everlasting water, that living water that is open to all. <clears throat> Tonight, if you have not had that living water, if you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you've not been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have water here. We are prepared to uh, assist you with that, that if you want to be buried with Jesus Christ or rise and walk in newness of life, we are prepared to help you with that. If you are a child of God or if you're going through a hard time or you're going through some struggles or, or anything that you need the help or the prayers of the church, we encourage you to come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.